الحمد لله together 
And he said that we have gathered today as a family. And I want to share my experience that I have gained in, my, in the light of my study of history. In the light of study of history over the history of centuries, and what has been the means of the rise and fall of families. He mentioned very prominent families of history that at a time they were at the peak of prominence and the contribution that they made to the general society, etc. And with the passing of time, there was no name left. There was no sign left. Meaning that everything was gone in terms of the family that existed. Individuals were wherever they were. So he says this, I have studied firsthand. And in the light of this deep study, I am now giving you the summary of it. He mentioned many things there. But among the things, two aspects that he mentioned, one particular thing he mentioned was that if you want to remain, this first he said, if you want to remain as a family, and you want to progress as a family, then one aspect is that even if you are oppressed, you rather accept to be oppressed, but don't ever become the oppressor. If you have a choice of one of the two, then don't ever become the oppressor. Doesn't matter if you make summer, be the oppressed. One is you can be neither of the two, mashallah, that's the first prize, that you're neither oppressed and you're not the oppressor also. But if you have to be one of the two, never be the oppressor, rather be the oppressed. Because with the oppressed is Allah Ta'ala's help. The Muslim, Allah Ta'ala's help is with him. So if you are oppressed and you are making sabr on that, you will have Allah Ta'ala's help. That will take you further in life. And he gave many incidents thereafter about the families of past, those who remain oppressed, how they progressed, because they refused to become the oppressor. And those who took the other role, how in time they were totally eradicated. No sign of them, nothing finished left. Went through a few generations and fizzled out completely. And then the other thing he said, the took, don't ever touch any haram, let alone haram, don't touch any doubtful income also. Don't even touch any doubtful income and you will see how this will take you from strength to strength. Now, outwardly these things seem sometimes not really very, very deep, not something very significant. And then he obviously highlighted the aspect of family ties. This is something which is a very, very big thing. As time goes, our children, grandchildren, this is something which is, besides maybe in the immediate circle, nobody wants to know anybody else. It's going, was it somebody, he says, no, there's all this kala kala, it's not my job now. I've got other things to do. Whereas previously, this was a very uh, standard thing. People would visit one another purely just on the basis of family. This is my cousin, this is somebody. Just in order to maintain the family ties, to maintain the relationship. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Man ahabba ayyubsata lahu fi rizqihi wa yunsa'a lahu fi atharihi falyasin rahimah. The summary of this and the crux of it is, the person who wants barakat in his life and barakat in his wealth, then the prescription to that is maintain family relationship, join family ties. This is the prescription for barakat, barakat in one's life and barakat in one's wealth. Now many a times 
the aspiration is for kasrat. That how can this keep growing? Whatever is there must keep growing in terms of the numbers. Whatever is meant for one, that must come to one. It cannot go anywhere else. But the real thing to aspire for is Barkatini. Just to highlight this with one incident in hadith which has a Shaykh Muhammad quotes in Fazari Sadaqat as well. The Nabi Sallallahu explained to the Sahaba about one incident of the first people of the past prior to him. There was one person, elderly person, had four sons. So the father became very ill. So now one son said to the one brother now said to the other three brothers, that look, let's now make some kind of deal here. You make the khidmat of our father, you attend to him, you serve him. And when he passes away, I'll keep the estate. I won't give you anything. And if you want, we turn it around. I'll make the khidmat, I'll serve him, I'll do whatever is necessary. And when he passes away, you keep the entire estate. Now he was somebody that knew where Barakat lies. And in order to secure this khidmat for himself, he put it in this manner. He wasn't somebody that had lost his mind. He wasn't somebody that suddenly now overcome with some kind of other hal and he didn't know what he's saying. He knew very well what he's saying. But his brothers thought that <coughs> something wrong with our brother. He doesn't know what he's saying, but nevertheless, where are we going to get a deal like this? Nothing to do now and take everything later. So they said, very well, he's wrong. So he continued making the khidmat of his father, serving him, taking care of him. And the others were joined life. The others were Nothing must come between them and their entertainment. And this is unfortunately the Western lifestyle, which generally in our communities, in our families, in our lifestyle, this Western way of life is creeping in. Where the sum total of life is how to earn the dunya and how to spend it. And to spend it in a way that brings some fun, enjoyment, entertainment. And this is what life revolves around. And in this whole process, whoever deen can get slotted in, it will get slotted also. But this will be what the be all and end all of life becomes. So, they were enjoying life and sometimes in that process, when certain responsibilities come, but if that responsibility is going to become an impediment to enjoying that life, that whatever lifestyle we have adopted, then those responsibilities will be then put on the side. Now somebody's parents have become elderly ages, somebody's grandparents, nobody to care for them. So now this is going to become a burden on us. This is going to become something that's going to affect our fun and entertainment. Maybe this is not something that's happening here. Unfortunately, it's a lot happening now at the end of the world, where every other time this kind of cases come up, where people have abandoned their old parents, abandoned their grandparents in old age homes. Of prominent families, this is as a result of this Western lifestyle creeping in. And the priorities are lost. So life becomes a name of fun and entertainment. And anything that comes in the way of that entertainment can be sacrificed. <laughs> Even one's own parents can be sacrificed, Allah forbid. So, in any case, this person, he made this deal with his brothers I'll make the khidmat and you, you keep their estate. So he carried on making the khidmat, time passed, eventually the father passed away. Father passed away, he kept up to his agreement. He said, well, I made the khidmat, but now the whole estate is yours. <coughs> so they enjoyed life now. They took that entire estate. 
and he was hard pressed, he was in difficult circumstances all this time serving his father and now without any part of their state. One day he sees a dream. Nabi Islam was explaining this to the Sahaba Ikram. He sees a dream and in the dream he sees that somebody is saying to him that look there are hundred dinars, hundred gold coins that are in a certain place, this is for you, it's halal for you. This is unseen help from Allah. You can go and have it. But there's sometimes a test in it also. This person was somebody who knew his priorities. His first question in the dream was that okay, there's hundred dinars there, but is there barakat in it? So the reply was no, there's no barakat in it. Hundred dinars are there, George, you can take it. But there's no barakat in it. He said, if there's no barakat in it, I don't want it. There's no barakat in it, I don't want it. And he wakes up in the morning and he remembers his dream. So he mentions his dream to his wife, this is what I dreamt. So she says to him, what barakat are you talking about? We don't have food to eat. So bring it and come. We'll have something decent to eat. We'll have something decent to wear. You're looking for big, big barakat now. You're flying very high. Just come down to reality. These are the ways sometimes we appease ourselves to do what is not the best. Now we have to be practical now. Whereas the practicality that we are talking about is far away from what Allah wants us to do. So in any case, he said, no, I don't want it. There's no barakat in it, I don't want it. Then the second night he sees a dream again and he's been told that there's ten dinars. First there was hundred. Now there's ten. There's ten dinars if you want, you can take it. Like ten kruger, kruger hands. Dinars. So he asked again, is there barakat in it? He said, no, there's no barakat in it. So he says, well, if there's no barakat in it, I don't want it. Next morning again, he remembers the dream, the same conversation with his wife. Woman wants sometimes everything on the turn. Whereas sometimes, to be a little bit patient, there's a lot of great benefit in it. And the aspirations, nevertheless, should not be confined to dunya. All of us, we're not talking about women only, all of us, the aspirations primarily should be akhirat. Because Aisha Siddiqah, she was also a woman, she also had the feelings that women have. And one day she sees the Nisla in a very good mood, very happy. And like any wife, when she sees the husband in a good mood, she says, This is the time to strike. The strike while the eye is hot. So, whatever was now wanted, some appliance, or this, or that, or the other. Allah knows best, whatever is wanted nowadays. So the must strike when the eye is hot. So when the husband is in a good mood, I was asked. And asked for what? Generally, he will ask for dunya. Now sometimes the husband sees the wife in a good mood, they also ask him for dunya. So, she also was a woman, she saw Rasulullah in a good mood, very happy. So she also asked. What did she ask for? Oh, Nabi of Allah, make dua for me. She knew the value of dua. That what this dua will do for her in dunya and akhirat. She didn't ask anything of dunya. Whereas, what kind of situation they lived in, is also recorded. He says, Ra'ina al-Hilal, Thumma Ra'ina al-Hilal, Thumma Ra'ina al-Hilal. And you would see one new moon, then the second new moon, and the third new moon, and there was no fire lit in the house of Rasulullah In other words, two months consecutively, there was no fire lit because there was nothing to cook. So what do you want to light a fire for? 
So the student asks that person who is hearing this, he says, how do you survive? He says, Allah aswadan, at-tamar wal-ma. He survived on dates and water, day in and day out, dates and water. Now this was the living condition, and yet when she had the chance to ask what she asked for, he dwarfed her. Nabi Salaam makes dua for her. Allahumma khindi Aisha ma taqaddama min dhabliha wa ma ta'akhar wa ma asarrat wa ma a'lanat. Allah forgive Aisha all her past and present and future, whatever open secret. Not that there was anything, but this was dua after all. And this is the biggest dua that Allah Ta'ala becomes pleased with us. Allah Ta'ala's rahmat comes. Allah Ta'ala's maghfirat comes. Aisha knew the value of this dua. And when she heard this dua from the Mubarak, Lips of Rasulullah for herself, she became so overjoyed that her head came down in her lap out of this. She couldn't, couldn't take it. She was overcome with this joy. Nabi Islam saw her in this manner and he asked her, Aisha? Does my dua make you happy? She said, Yes, why not? What a dua. So Nabi Allah making this kind of dua, Nabi Islam replied to her and said to her, that this is the dua I make for my ummah after every salah. This was the way Nabi Salaam remembered his ummah, remembered us. That we could be taking the name of Allah Ta'ala today in the month of Ramadan, gathering on the Nisbat of Deen, and remembering Allah Ta'ala. This is the barakat of the sacrifices, barakat of the hardships Nabi Salaam underwent, barakat of the dua that he made for us. So in any case, they also had the feelings that we have, but they knew the value of things. They knew what is to be really given priority, what is to be asked for, what is to be really aspired for, what is necessity and what is object, what is by the way and what is the purpose. So in any case, we were talking about the incident where this person, he saw this dream for the second day, for the second night now he saw the dream and he's been told now there's 10 dinars. But the same question he asked immediately, is there barakat in it? He said, there's no barakat in it. He said, I don't want it. So the next day again, the same conversation with his wife, he said, I don't want it. There's no barakat, I don't want it. Now the third night he sees the dream again. The third night he sees the dream that there's one dinar there. There's one dinar you want, you can have it. He asked, is there barakat in it? He told, yes, there's barakat in it. So now the next morning he wakes up, so he sets out for where he was told, and according to the description, he finds this one dinar exactly like that. This was unseen help from Allah Ta'ala. This was risk from Allah Ta'ala. It wasn't anybody's property, it was private, nothing private. It was in a public place, this one dinar kept there for him. In any case, he takes that one dinar and he comes. As he's returning, one person is on the path, he's selling fish. So he's got two fish, he's selling two fish. How much are the two fish? There's one dinar. He says, well, there's one dinar, give me the two fish. He doesn't have food to eat. So he buys the two fish for one dinar. And he comes home and he slits the fish, the bellies of the fish to clean them. And each fish, there's one priceless pearl. Now how many fish swim in the ocean? And who made these two fish only swallow those pearls? And then who made this particular fisherman catch these two fish? How many people go fishing? How many times they got a fish with a pearl in the belly? Maybe this is something to highlight also, otherwise this. Maybe before Ramadan finishes off, people might be fishing. But who made these two fish swallow those pearls 
And then who made this fisherman catch those two fish? And then who brought this fisherman on the path of this person so that he'll buy it? All this is the nizam and the system of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala wishes to grant it to somebody in a dramatic way, Allah Ta'ala will give it in this dramatic way also. But now this is Barakat coming up. That's any case, now he found these two pearls, one in each fish. Now the king, who's going to buy this pearl? Something priceless. So the king of the time decides he wants to buy a pearl. Out of the blue, he decides, why out of the blue? Coincidence? No, no coincidence. In the Nizam of Allah Ta'ala, there's no coincidence. Allah Ta'ala put it in his heart, now you want to buy a pearl. Because he can afford to buy it. So now his people come around, they get to know this person, no, he somehow comes to know they want to buy a pearl, he takes this one and pearl and goes. You see this? This is something they haven't seen. They know what's watched. They haven't seen something like this. They finally pay the price of 30 mule loads of gold. 30 mule loads of gold, they buy this one pearl. They bring this to the king. He sees this pearl. Allah Ta'ala puts another thought in his mind. Where this thought came from, Allah Ta'ala put it. For who Allah Ta'ala put it? For this person. He thinks to himself, Subhanallah, I haven't seen something like this. But this doesn't look right on its own. It must be another one, it must be a pair. Now why they must be a pair? Why one won't one look well on its own? Because Allah Ta'ala put that thought in his mind. He said, you go and buy another one if it's available. Even if you have to pay double. They finally come to him and say, look, you got another one? We ready to pay double also. He says, double? He says, yes, another 60 mule loads of gold. Now that one dinar brought this 90 mule loads of gold. But it brought this 90 mule loads of gold with barakat. And this is, the barakat sometimes will come in this dramatic way. Not necessarily it will come always in this dramatic manner. But sometimes it will come in a subtle way. It won't always come in a form of material, some material possession. It will sometimes come in a form of a greater thing than material things. It will come in the form of progress of deen. It will come in the form of the children becoming very deeply conscious. That that child was now somebody who wasn't interested in even performing his salah. Now suddenly he wants to become a hafiz of the Quran Sharif also. He wants to become somebody that is in the forefront of the effort of deen. Now, this is also barakat, and this is a greater barakat. But now, where does this barakat come from? This is the thing. That the thing to aspire for is barakat. Because when, even if dunya comes, if the material things come, and it comes with barakat, it will become a source of rahat, a source of comfort, a source of peace, a source of muhabbat, a source of a person making his dunya and akhirat with it. He'll enjoy it also, others will enjoy it as well. He will be able to make good use of it himself in a good way, in a constructive way, and he'll build his akhirat with it also. And if it comes without barakat, Allah forbid sometimes it becomes musibat. And the very same thing will become a source of difficulty. So, where does this barakat come from? So this, in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala spells out, that, وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ فَالصَّالِحَاتِ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ that barakat translates as a good life. Then with or without the material compass of dunya, if a person has a good life, then what else he wants? One person, this is not necessarily exactly how we should look at it. One person was relaxing, he went hammock, between two trees, he went hammock, he was relaxing. And 
seems to be perfectly at ease and comfortable. So another person was a very smart person, he came past, he told him, why are you wasting your life? So he told him, what do you mean? He sees you just on the hammock, just relaxing, do something. So he said, what should I do? So he says, well, you see, you take this axe, you go chop some wood, and you sell the wood. So you make something. He says, very well, okay, then what? So he says, then you keep chopping wood, and you make more, then you'll be able to buy a few more axes. And then you employ some people, and you become an employer, and then you make more money. <coughs> then what? He says, now after some time, you'll be able to actually have then a, some mill, and you'll be able to produce in a big way. You'll be able to have electric source. He says, then what? He says, finally you'll become maybe a wholesaler of wood. He says, very good, then what? He says, then after you can start exporting it. Because you'll be doing it in a big way. He says, and then what? He says, then finally you can relax then. You see what I'm doing now? <laughs> and you want me to go through all this whole chapter and come back to where I am now. I'm content. Mashallah, I'm at peace. I'm having my simple whatever it is. I'm relaxed. I'm at peace. And you want me to go through all this and what not might happen in the process and come back to where I am. So this contentment, the ni'mat that Allah blesses us with, this is ni'mat. It comes in a halal way, it's ni'mat. We make sugar upon it, we use it correctly, this is ni'mat, this is a bounty. A person with that sugar also, he'll get closer to Allah. Provided it is used, it came correctly, it is used correctly. But the greatest wealth is contentment. Inna al-ghina ghina nafs Nabi Islam says, the greatest wealth is the wealth of contentment. So, this hayat tayyibah, this good life, the person has a peaceful life. He has a life of contentment. Where does this come from? The real peace of life. This Allah Ta'ala has promised in, with two things. That the true conditions are Iman, that is the foundation. Without Iman, nothing is of any value. Everything is just sand in the dust. So the foundation is Iman. And together with Iman is Amal Salih. Righteous actions. There is no distinction, male or female, whoever does it. Allah Ta'ala says, this is our guarantee, this is our promise. That we will give him hayat tayyiba, a good life, a peaceful life, a serene life, with or without the things, with or without the comforts of dunya. The comforts of dunya, they also, mashallah, that is also barakat. Without it also, he still has comfort in his heart. And he will still be at peace. But he will be having what is the essence of life. He will be having because the real comfort is inside the heart. The real comfort is deep down in the heart. If the heart is comfortable, then everything else is comfortable. When the heart is in turmoil, everything outside doesn't matter. They can't do anything. So the real thing is to acquire the contentment of the heart. The comfort of the heart. And this comes, Allah has only placed it in deen. It's not placed anywhere else. Asbab rahat aur hai, rahat aur hai. The means of comfort is something else. Comfort in reality is something else. And that Allah Ta'ala has placed in deen. And deen is not any one aspect of life. Sometimes we departmentalize deen. That, okay, I'm performing my five times salah. MashaAllah, that is the foundation, that is the pillar of Islam. There is no deen in a person who doesn't have salah. 
MashaAllah, that is something that we cannot do without. The first thing that will be questioned about on the day of Qiyamah is Salah. But just as the Salah, this Zakat, this Fasting, this Hajj, is all the pillars of Islam. But there are other departments of Deen also. Together with Ibadat, there is Mu'amalat. They are our transactions, our dealings. And that too is a very essential part of Deen. Because how a person transacts, that impacts on his Ibadat also. If a person has been transacting correctly, he'll be earning halal income, he'll be eating halal food, he'll be dressing with halal, he will now have his ibadat accepted. His du'as will be accepted. And if that income is tainted, his ibadat will be tainted. His du'as will be rejected. So now that dealings wasn't just something outside. That was affecting his ibadat inside also. That will affect his hajj. That will affect his du'as and arafat. That will affect what he is asking at Mustazam. Depending how he was dealing, that will affect everything. So, Muhammad and dealings also is part of deen. And Allah Ta'ala speaks about the Muslim businessman in the Quran Sharif. That these are people, Rijalun, Rijalun la tulhihim tijaratu wa la bay'un an dhikrillah wa iqami salah wa itali zakah wa khafuna yawman tataqallabu fihim qulubu wa nafsar. Allah Ta'ala says, these are men. These are men that la tulhihim tijara. Yes, they are in business. Allah is endorsing it. They are in business. They are conducting business. But that business does not make them unmindful. Not Their business that they are buying and selling and transactions. It doesn't make them unmindful. Unzikrillah. From the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. The remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. The essence of the remembrance is itaat. The obedience of Allah Ta'ala. But that itaat requires the verbal remembrance daily which will bring the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. And the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala will bring the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. So these are men that the remembrance of their, their business, their transactions, their buying and selling, their occupation, their professions, does not make them unmindful of the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. And from establishing salah, anything can happen, their salah is on time. Because they know their priorities, they know their object. They know what is object of life, they know what is the sideline, what is the necessity of life. So they give priority to what is the object of life. And this is what they close to Allah Ta'ala. And from discharging the zakat. This is all done properly and correctly on time. And why? What drives them in this manner? That يَخَافُونَ يَوْمًا تَتَقَلَّبُوا فِيهِ الْقُلُوبُ وَالْأَفْصَارُ They fear that day when hearts and eyeballs will overturn. They fear the day of Qiyamah. And on the day of Qiyamah they have to stand in front of Allah Ta'ala and give an answer. And have to answer for all the deeds of dunya. They have to answer, La yazalu qadama abdin yawmal qiyamah. That a person will not be able to move from the spot that he's standing on until he be asked certain questions on the day of Qiyamah. And among those questions is, Amurihi fi ma'afna. That his life, how he spent his life. And out of that life in particular, وَعَنْ شَبَابِهِ فِي His youth, that vigor, that strength of youth, that energy, all the good fancy ideas, and all the things that, whatever he wanted to do, that drive he had, where was it channeled? How was it spent? وَعَنْ مَالِهِ مِنْ أَيْنَ اكْتَسَبَهُ وَفِي مَا أَنْفَقَ His wealth, how did he earn it? Where did he spend it? 
His knowledge, how much he practice upon it. So this makes them very fearful. And therefore they conduct themselves in a way to <coughs> pleasure of Allah. So Allah is endorsing, yes, these are people, businessmen. They are people who are engaged in dunya. But despite being engaged in dunya, they are with Allah. Dunya ke majhalo mein bhi ba khuda rahe, sab ke saath reh ke bhi sab se juda rahe. Even in the occupations of dunya, they remained attached to Allah. They were physically with everyone, but their hearts were with Allah. Conscious of Allah. So, deen has mu'amalat as well. Then together in deen, there's mu'asharat, a social life. And there are the ahkam and detailed laws of social life. This is also part of deen. How does a person deal with their parents? What are the rights of parents? This is something that has been emphasized so much in deen. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Taala speaks about the rights of parents in detail. Your parents, Allah says, they become old. Now the person becomes old, sometimes becomes a little irritable, sometimes becomes senile, Allah protect us and save us. Allah says, don't even say both to them. Don't even bring this. If there was a word in Arabic smaller than uff to denote irritation, to denote irritation, then the Quran Sharif would have used that word. In other words, there is no smaller word than uff to denote irritation. They don't even express irritation. Don't ever rebuke them and talk harshly to them. Rather, speak to them in a very honorable way, in a very kind way, gentle way. This is figurative speech. Allah says, literally translated, spread the wings of humility in front of them. This is actually figuratively speaking when a person has hunted a bird. He's hunted a bird, he shot it, and it's fallen. Now it's still alive, but it can't fly now because it's injured so badly. So now when the hunter comes to it, now it's there with his wings out on the ground. And he's looking at him only with mercy. But I am seeking mercy now. And I'm poking your hands now. So Allah says that you humble yourself in front of your parents in the same way. And don't forget them in your dua. Ya Allah, you have mercy on them. As they had mercy on me when I was a little child, a little baby, I could do nothing for myself. I couldn't even clean myself, I couldn't feed myself. Allah, they did everything for me. Now is the time for me to do for them now. This is part of life. This is part of deen. And Nabi Sassim says that your parents are the door of Jannah. Your father is the door of Jannah. Look after it or destroy it. Under the mother's feet is Jannah. This is part of deen. Maintaining family ties is part of deen. The hadith sharif that we mentioned earlier, Nabi Sassim says, the one who wants barakat in his life, barakat in his wealth. You should join family ties. <coughs> From the Arsh Allah has made dua continuously being made for the person who maintains family ties. That Ar-Rahimu Mu'allaqatun bil Arsh. That kinship, family ties has been given a form. And it is suspended from the Arsh of Allah. And from the Arsh of Allah, it is continuously making dua. 
من وصلني وصله الله ومن قطعني قطعه الله يلا ذا ون هو مينتينز مي يو مينتينينج كان يو ايماجين ات ذا ارش دو اي بي ميد وات تاو كان دي بي ان ذا اكسبتنس اوف ذا دوا يلا ذا ون هو مينتينز مي يو مينتين هيم لا ترى مينتين سمبدي وات مو هي وانس ومن قطعني قطعه الله يلا ذا ون هو كاتس مي اوف يو كاتيم اوف اوزو so this is part of deen this is also deen and then how one looks after his wife how he looks after his children how the wife relates to the husband what are the rights of the husband nabi sallallahu says that if i had to ever give the command of anyone to make sajda besides allah taala it is totally impermissible sajda is not permissible for anyone but allah taala but had it been permissible then i would have asked the wife to make sajda to the husband to highlight the importance of the obedience to the husband in permissible things but at the same time the other side of it that what the beast also taught the husband of how to look after the wife the kindness and compassion and the overlooking that a person overlooking nature that he should have and how he should deal with his wife the example of the beast also loved himself how he conducted himself as a husband all this is part of deen how the beast also conducted himself as a father the compassion he showed to his children all this is part of deen a deen one on the one side is salah zakat fasting hajj it is also the fundamentals of deen but that is part of deen this is also part of deen and a very important part of deen and together with that is akhlaq also a department of deen that what is the person's akhlaq and character generally akhlaq in the western concept is actually what we can term as etiquette the person has etiquette in him he meets somebody nicely he says please and thank you but that's a very narrow concept akhlaq in deen is a very vast concept akhlaq includes sabr tolerance patience helm tolerance it includes forgiveness it includes compassion and kindness it includes that a person he conducts himself in such a way that he doesn't give any difficulty to anybody else physical difficulty emotional difficulty all this is part of deen the beast also caught so many of these things in so much of detail time is limited there is no time to go into this but those who understood this they realized that how much of benefit there is in practicing on all this they brought it in their lives in the hadith sharif the beast also says that ma min shay'in اثقل في ميزان العبد المؤمن يوم القيامه من خلق حسن is nothing weightier on the scales of good deeds obviously after the faraiz and fundamentals of deen nothing weightier tahajjud whole life of person tahajjud also a whole life of tilawat of the quran is very great amal and a person should maximize this especially in the mubarak month of ramadan but there is nothing weightier on the scales of good deeds min khuluqin hasan then good character the good character of the person will outweigh all the other things now this is part of deen this is something nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught many a times this is something not even given any regard as being part of deen <coughs> if i am performing my salah then already i am a super muslim this i do as i wish oh this is a very integral part of deen and especially the aspects of muamalat muasharat and akhlaq are so vital that if a person has shirked in this 
Allah forbid on the day of Qiyamah it can cause him to lose his ibadah also. When the Hadith Sharif Nabi Salaam asked the Sahaba, Atadruna al Muflis, you know who's a pauper, a poor person? They said, the person who doesn't have any possessions, any material, Nabi Salaam I'm not talking about that. That's a small time pauper. He's today a pauper and tomorrow's millionaire. Something out of the blue just happened and he was down and out. Today's prisoner is tomorrow's king. How often that happens in dunya? I'm talking about the real loss. The real loss is the person who comes on the day of Tiamat and he's come with mountains of rewards. He's performed a lot of salah and hajj and umrah and charity. MashaAllah, all very great. But he has come in a condition that he didn't settle his accounts with people. He hurt somebody's feelings, he swore at somebody, he trampled somebody's rights, all kinds of things that he did in terms of the rights of people. On the day of Qiyamah, they will come to claim. And that day, there's no rands, there's no dollars, there's no pounds, there's no gold, there's no silver. That day, the currency is Amal. The day of Qiyamah is a currency of Amal. And now these claimants will come to claim. It's mentioned in one hadith that one danit, which is a part of a dirham, silver coin, what part of it? Like a few rands. One danit that a person has wrongfully taken in dunya, he'll pay back with 500 accepted salah in akhirat. Now the people will come and claim. And as a result, now all the ibadat, etc., the umrah, the hajj, the sadaqah, etc., is all getting dished out. And if it's all dished out and people are still claiming, their sins now will be taken and returned and put onto his head. Summa ukhidat min khatayahum faturihat alayhi summa turihat in nar. Nabi Islam says that their sins will be thrown on his head and he'll be thrown into Jahannam, Allah will save us. So now all this is part of deen. And all this entire deen has to come alive. Allah Ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhallatina amunud khulu fissilmi kaafa. O you who believe, enter into Islam fully. Become the total servants of Allah Ta'ala. A person says to his father, I'm 95% your son. 5% is leave me to myself. Father feels offended. What, what do you mean 95% my son? You're 100% my son. You're supposed to be 100% my son. Allah Ta'ala says, become 100% my servants and slaves. Ya ayyuhallatina amunud khulu. And don't follow the ways of shaitan. Because if you don't become totally Allah Ta'ala's, then that percentage will be shaitan's. So now this whole deen coming alive, this whole deen being maintained in our lives, there is no button to press that it will be pressed in one go and then it's done. This is a lifelong effort. And this life is nevertheless very short. Allah Ta'ala knows best how much is left of our life. Every day, let alone every other day, every day, you have somebody who was around and who went in a moment, there was no sign that this person is going to go. Sometimes a person is very ill, very sick, etc. And it seems apparent that now this person is a mehman. How often the person, there was not a single sign that this person is a mehman. It's gone. Allah knows best with the Allah Ta'ala keep us with Iman, take us with Iman, raise us on the day of Qiyamah with Iman. But this is what this life is all about, to prepare for this akhirat. On the one hand, this barakat comes in life, and this deen, this life becomes a place, a small example of jannat. The reality of jannat is only in jannat. But a small example of jannat that comes in dunya already. In the sense of the peace, the tranquility, the happiness that a person gets in his heart. And that connection he feels with Allah Ta'ala. And when he has this connection with Allah Ta'ala, all the things around him don't really matter much. He has it, alhamdulillah, he doesn't have it too, he's not 
any issue for him. His real thing is that he's connected to Allah. And then he is very happy. Then he is, everything else is fine for him. That is the main thing. He's concerned about that he is in the company of, in the companionship of Allah. Tumsa koi hamdam koi tamsaaz nahi. Baate koi hardam magar awaz nahi. That Khaja Azir Hassan Barzub Rahmatullahi, he is interpreting this connection. What the Ahlullah experience, he's interpreting it in this poetic form. He said, Ya Allah, Tumsa koi hamdam koi tamsaaz nahi. Baate koi hardam magar awaz nahi. Allah, there's no companion like you. All the time there is this communication. All the time there is this link. But there's no sound in it. Ham tum hi bas hai is rabbe khafi se. Kisi aur ko magar ye raaz khabar nahi. Allah, only you and I are aware of the secret connection. Nobody else knows about it. When he's connected to Allah Ta'ala, then all these other things pale into insignificance. Then he will stay in dunya. He will be in the things of dunya. He will fulfill the responsibilities of dunya. But he will be enjoying this connection with Allah Ta'ala all the time. So now how this being comes alive, how this reality comes, everything in dunya, small, minor things, trivial things require effort. Something of such a great nature, something of such magnitude, something that makes dunya and makes akhirah. Does that happen without effort? Does that happen without some sacrifices? So all the efforts of being. MashaAllah, the work of Dawah and Tabir. Throughout the world, Allah Ta'ala brought this simple effort alive, simple in the sense that simple for anyone and everyone. Not complicated for anybody. Certain aspects of deen would be only possible, the khidmat of that would be possible for those who have that knowledge, for those who have that understanding, that experience. But this level of khidmat is for everybody. And this, the first benefit of it is to ourselves. The first benefit of it is to our families. By making an effort on deen, deen will come alive in our own lives. Deen will come alive in our families. Establishing the talim in the home. This talim will make the tarbiyat of our children. And if this talim is not taking place, but other things have taken its place, all the kinds of media and what not goes on, really it is very difficult. In fact, a gathering of this nature is very difficult to even speak about these things. Especially our sisters also listening to open these things out is very difficult. But from time to time, and time to time is not like once in a blue moon, on a very regular basis. Young people, young boys, many a young girl sends an email every other day and are struggling with problems they are facing in their lives personally. Nobody knows about it. Everybody is none the wiser of what's going on in their life. Because they can't talk to anybody about it. But what's going on in their life, what havoc is happening within themselves, what they are involved in, without the knowledge of anybody in the home, they know Allah Ta'ala knows. But that conscience, that spark of Iman is there, is making the person now ask themselves, from somebody who they feel is now far away, somebody who either is asking anonymously, <coughs> they feel, well, this person is not part of my family now, so fine, I can maybe ask him and confide in him. So now the problems where it stems from, much of these problems are stemming from the media. Of these devices and they are getting involved, Allah forbid, in what not. One email that just came a few days ago from some girl who is apparently in maybe a 15, 20 around there. You see, I made Toba from this years ago. 
I was caught up in reading these novels. And I used to read novel upon novel. I've been Toba three, four years ago from all this. But I still get these flashbacks. And this comes to me in such a way that I get washed away in these haram thoughts. And then I get inclined to all kinds of things. Now, that was something that the person even made Toba And years ago. But that effect of that shaitaniya in it hasn't left yet. Now all these things, cartoons, there was one research that cartoons, this is western research, it's not some, Moana did some research, western research, that after the research that they did, they found this conclusion, that cartoons like Dennis the Menace teach children that to be rude is cute. Now, many parents feel that this is just harmless entertainment, but then the child replays that on the parent. Later in life, the child replays that on the parents. Now the child is the rude. Now there's no way in that whole cartoon it will state that look, you must be rude. But there are messages. There are messages going. Just this morning, last night we were discussing something in one of the pictures, and one incident came to mind where maybe this must happen about 10, 12 years ago, a little more than that, 15 years ago. One of the, around Durban, one place, on kindergarten, Madrasa. One Appa was teaching the children, Muslim kindergarten, and she was just now trying to make the tarbiyat of the children. Mashallah, she was somebody that had the right mindset. So she was making the tarbiyat of the children, but just trying to ascertain how much water they are in. So she started asking them individually, calling few at a time, three at a time, and asking them one question. And she's, now she's trying to get a full idea of all in the class what is their mind? What is going inside? What is happening in their hearts and minds? So at that time, there was some kind of program on television for children, children's program. And the children's program was some kind of, uh, some, some name of power ages, some kind of strong characters, whatever it was, I thought that was best. So in any case, she started asking one Ajeeb question. All the children, two, three at a time, she's calling them. And by the way, asking a lot of other things first and then coming to this. And she asked one Ajeeb question. Latala knows why she asked this question in this manner too. Have been, if the outcome wasn't known, it might have been thought that this was a senseless question. She's asking each of these children, five, six years old, that who is greater, Allah or the power angels? What a question. When the child is born, born in Islam, and the first thing that is done is that the Azan is called out in one ear. The Takbir is called out in the other ear. And the Azan starts off with Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. So the end of the Azan again, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. The Takbir again another six times. Twelve times in the course of that Azan, the seeds of the greatness of Allah Ta'ala being implanted in this time. But now the influences from around. This five, six year old child now, he sees from the class of about 17 or 18, four, six children answered, power ranges are greater. Four, six children answered, power ranges are greater. Born in a Muslim home, being raised in a Muslim home, and this is a predominantly a good community. Where, mashallah, people are conscious of salah, there's deen alive in the community, but at the same time, there are all these influences. Now, this is the other very crucial part, as part of keeping this deen alive, to bring this barakat in our lives, this barakat in our homes, and to make our lives constructive is that we look after the greatest asset that Allah has blessed us with. And that is the asset of our, apart from our iman, etc. In terms of the external things, the asset of our children. 
Dat die correct dien die terbeet en nurturing of our children as to have them. Dat iemand die values have to be implanted. Otherwise, the first people they forget after the parents have passed away are the parents. They are too engrossed then after that in what the parents have left behind. But if their parents left deen for them also, inculcated deen in them, then first they'll remember the parents and then they'll enjoy what the parents left behind. Then they'll use part of that for Isar Sawa for the parents. Then they'll raise their hands and make dua for them. And if those children are not given the correct tarbiyat and nurturing, Allah forbid sometimes and many times we've seen this happen back at home, around home, that the first people that suffer the consequences are the parents also. Because the children, it's the first habit. So this nurturing of the children and to give them the values that look, life is not all about entertainment. Life has responsibility. There are sacrifices to be made in life. There are things that we need to prioritize. Deen is our greatest priority. And part of Deen is this Mu'ashara, for example. To care for our people. To look after our family with people. To look after our elders. What is Adab all about? Respect for the elders. Respect for the seniors. Previously, if the uncle said something, it was as good as the father said it. Now, what is the uncle? What is the grandfather? So, Illa, mashallah, alhamdulillah, wherever the effort is made, mashallah, that adab is alive, that respect is alive, that caring is alive, that compassion is alive, that dini environment and that atmosphere is alive. But this is required, this comes with efforts. So part of this effort is that we keep our children safe from all these influences, all these movies and media and whatever else. Allah forbid how the haya is being decimated through all these things. This very, very essential value of iman al-iman wa al-haya'u qurana'u jami'a ila rufi'a ahaduhuma rufi'a al-akhar Nabi Islam says iman and haya modesty, shame these are linked together when one goes the other will go with it if a person's haya has left completely iman is on his way out if haya has left completely every bit of iman is gone it is very difficult iman every bit of haya is gone it's very difficult iman will remain. This is how essential this quality of haya is. But the western propaganda and the western lifestyle and the media and the newspapers and magazines and Allah forbid what has become of the newspapers 40-50 years ago this would have been all banned. All this would have been banned. I mean, this is all filth. It's porn. Now this is family reading. And in every other way this haya has been crushed. Is being trampled. Now oh, there's no haya left in their home, then what happens? And then unspeakable things happen. So this haya has to be jealously guarded. This haya has to be very closely guarded. So this haya, keeping this haya alive, all these are things that come alive with efforts. This effort of the work of Dawud and Tabdeer, keeping in touch with the ulama ikram, taking advice from them, taking guidance from them in all of aspects of life. MashaAllah in our community is Allah that has blessed us with so many ulama. The work of Dawah is all around us. And all the other programs of deen that take place. The ta'lim in our homes to keep that alive. To make deen the priority of our life. This is the prescription for a good life. Everybody, whatever a person is doing, ask him what you want, he wants a good life. Everything else is just the means that is being acquired for a good life. But the real peace of life, the real happiness of life is only in deen. Allah has placed it there. In order to acquire this is this effort. MashaAllah, this is also part of the effort. This gathering of this nature, 
MashaAllah is a very big thing. Allah Ta'ala keep this growing from step to step. Allah Ta'ala make it a means of this Iman growing tremendously. Allah Ta'ala make it a means of this fervor of Iman keeping alive in our generations to come. Allah Ta'ala enable us to make Deen the greatest priority of our life. Grant us the ability to make the correct Deen in and nurturing of our children. Allah Ta'ala keep us progressing in Deen, keep Barkat in our dunya as well. Allah Ta'ala protect us, protect our Iman, protect our Amal, protect our Akhlaq, protect our wealth, protect our lives, our honor. Allah Ta'ala keep us going with afiyat and everything in the times that we are living in. A person doesn't know what's the next moment. So we want to make dua for afiyat as well. We have to be ever ready to be the Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala take us, make the best day of our life the day that we meet Him. That we meet Him in that condition, Allah Ta'ala is happy with us. Allah Ta'ala is happy with us. We gain everything. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillah. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا تسلطن عن عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك إذا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما واجعلنا للمتقين إماما واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا اختم لنا ذنوبنا وتكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتبفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف النعان اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وأحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكذه إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعسيان وجعلنا من الراجلين اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها وزكها أنت خير من زكاها وزكها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها اللهم اهدنا لأحسن الأخلاق لا يهدي لأحسنها إلا أن فاصرف عنا سيئها لا يصرف عنا سيئها إلا أن إله العالمين والله most merciful, most gracious, most kind, most loving Allah Allah forgive all our sins, Ya Allah. Forgive our major and minor sins, Ya Allah. Forgive the sins of the day and night, Ya Allah. Forgive the sins we did deliberately and mistakenly, Ya Allah. Allah will forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our relatives and friends, Ya Allah. Forgive the entire Ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah forgive the Ummah, Ya Allah. Show your Rahmat of the Ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, you guide us, Ya Allah, to your pleasure, Ya Allah. Allah will save us from everything that displeases you, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from all the traps of nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Allah, grant us the fervor of Iman, Ya Allah. Strengthen our Iman, Ya Allah. Allah grant us the akhlaq of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah grant us the qualities of Iman, Ya Allah. Allah grant us taqwa, Ya Allah. Grant us tawakkul, Ya Allah. Grant us inabat, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, grant us haya, Ya Allah. Grant us tawabu, Ya Allah. Grant us sincerity, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, grant us all the qualities of Iman, Ya Allah. Allah remove from our hearts all the evil qualities, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, Ya Allah, grant barkat in our lives, Ya Allah. Grant barkat in our wealth, Ya Allah. Grant barkat in our health, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, shower down barkat upon us, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, make us your true and obedient servants, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, Allah, you guide our children, Ya Allah. 
Father, you make them the coolness of our eyes, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, grant them deen, Ya Allah. Allah, grant them the fervor of deen, Ya Allah. Keep them on deen, Ya Allah. Allah, give them the aspirations of deen, Ya Allah. Allah, make our aspirations the aspirations of deen, Ya Allah. Make us aspire akhirat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, give us the correct understanding of our priorities in life, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Give us the love of the Sunnah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, enable us to live, live the Sunnah, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from the ways of Yahud and Nasara, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from the influences of the West, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from the influences of all the evil things, Ya Allah. Save us from the influences of the devices, Ya Allah. Save us from the influences of the media, Ya Allah. Allahul Alam, give us istiqamat on deen, Ya Allah. Enable us to form our five-time salah with jama'ah, Ya Allah. Allah, enable us to fulfill all the laws of deen, Ya Allah. Save us from all these sins and vices, Ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the eyes, Ya Allah. From the sins of the ears, save us, Ya Allah. From the sins of the hands and feet, save us, Ya Allah. Allah, fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of deen, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of the effort of deen, Ya Allah. Allah, accept us and our families and generations for the effort of deen, Ya Allah. Allah, accept us to our last breath for the khidmat of deen and the class and afiyat, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, all those are sick, give them shifai, kamila, hajila, mustabirra, daima. Allah, remove every face of the illness, Ya Allah. Allah, cure some more spiritual ailments, Ya Allah. Cure some more physical ailments, Ya Allah. Allah, all those are any kind of difficulties, hardships, anxieties, worries, depression. Allah, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Grant happiness in Ya Allah, contentment to the hearts, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, Ya Allah, all those who have passed away, fill their covers with nur, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make their covers gardens of Jannah for them, Ya Allah. Grant them the high status in the Akhirat, Ya Allah. And at the time of our death, take us to the Kalimah, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Allah, take us on Iman and Kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on Tawbat and Masood, Ya Allah. Allah, take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Allah, make our covers gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the Shafat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, give us Jannah to offend those without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, all those who have raised their hands to this Dua, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, Ya Allah. You are the know of each one's heart, Ya Allah. You know each one's cry, Ya Allah. Allah, fulfill each one's needs from the grave, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Grant barakah to each one in their life, in their health, in their wealth, Ya Allah. Allah, grant afiyat in deen and dunya, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, Ya Allah. You protect us in every direction, Ya Allah. Allah, protect us from the enemies of nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Allah, protect us from the external enemies, enemies Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, all those who ask us to make dua for them. Allah, fulfill all their needs, Ya Allah. Remove all their difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> الحمد لله